1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Good evening, everybody. How are y'all doing? Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. We're going to kind of bounce around tonight. In the second hour, we're going to talk more about why you struggle with getting or staying aroused. Uh, We're going to spend the first hour doing a little bit of uh, some relational stuff. Quieter, quieter, more kid-friendly topics. Um, so, you know, listen, I have a gift and a curse (laughs) and it is, uh, the double edge. It is the, uh, shadow side of the gift. And that's basically that doing the work I do for as long as I have, um, I get to kind of see what works and what doesn't work. And a lot of what's been normalized in our culture are things that don't really help with relationships. And I'm always trying to be a little repetitive because repetition is how we actually learn but it helps us build in and internalize these perspectives and these tools. Um, anyone that's been in therapy knows that sometimes you'll have a really powerful session, you'll walk away with a new perspective or a new tool or a new um, behavior you wanna try, whatever it is. And it, it's so impactful and it's fresh. But then days go by, maybe weeks go by, and you're like, wait, what exactly was that? I can't remember how it was said or I can't remember how it was, you know, and it drifts. And that's why I say to clients after a very powerful session, Take some time to really sit with what was discussed. Let it absorb. Um, write it down so you can come back to it. I've talked on the show a lot about awareness. Whatever we direct our attention or awareness to is what really gets built in. So you wanna focus. I've talked on the show a little bit about how our brains are wired towards protection and safety. And so they are geared to really log and encode and hold on to negative experiences because that's protective. And they really struggle to hold on to positive experiences. So when we have a positive experience, we need to really savor it and sit with it for a few seconds where negative experiences get encoded immediately, even on an unconscious level. But again, positive experiences take more time. And that's why we are easier, that's why it's easier and far, we're far better at really calling out the negative. It's a protective mechanism. So that's why in the show, I try to sprinkle throughout the show is a lot of the same things, Uh, both because a we need the repetition to really build it in and we need the practice also because not everyone listens to every show and um, also because I still see and hear people bumping into the same issues. Um, That's why I love the work I do. I get to be reminded of where we're at culturally, uh, the shifts that we're making, where the work needs to go. A lot of my work is very much about forecasting. What are we moving towards? What do we need to be prepared for? And also very much thinking about disrupting the intergenerational transmission of some toxic ideas and some issues by helping people change things so that they pass things along in a better form or a better way to their children, to their friends, to their family members, to the people they encounter. That's so why I also talk a lot about being very thoughtful about the people you spend time around. When we talk about you know, what we're ingesting in our diets, we only tend to think about food. But like, what are you absorbing emotionally and psychologically based on the people you're spending time around, the conversations you're a part of, what you're watching on television, what you're listening to? All of that is also your diet. It's your emotional, psychological diet. It's your mental health diet. It's not just about the food. And I think we don't consider that. And I've had to say to some clients, listen, the kind of person you wanna be, the kind of world you wanna live in, the kind of ways you wanna think, none of that is supported by your social circle. I've said to clients, your social circle is is preventing you from healing because of what, what they're thinking, what they're normalizing, what they're prioritizing, what they're valuing, what topics they're obsessed with. It's really meaningful. For instance, you wanna be sober? It's gonna be very hard if you wanna change your relationship to drugs and alcohol. If you're spending time around people that normalize and really value drugs and alcohol and, and, and associate it with every event. Um, If you're learning to love your body, which might be disabled, doesn't meet the criteria that we've arbitrarily and problematically set up as what makes someone desirable or attractive. If you're a larger bodied, if you're a person of color maybe, you are not necessarily going to feel of worth and value if you're hanging around people that are straight-sized, gym-bodied, able-bodied, or only praise that or only uh or are always trying to work on that and they're afraid of fatness they're afraid of disability they're afraid of difference you aren't going to be able to feel healthy within a system like that and so we want to pay attention to all of our diets and that's why i try to make love line a positive source of mental nutrition you know i want to be your friend with psychological benefits as they say Why am I not your friend with benefits in an erotic way? Because we are still in a pandemic and I do not want to get COVID again. <laughs> I've had to say that to a lot of people. No, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, I can't attend that party or that concert because I don't want COVID again. And yeah, y'all, here's a general reminder. People still coming down with COVID, still getting sick. <laughs> so um, it's not what today's show is about. So I just wanted to kind of call that out there. Um Always trying to give uh, healthy relational tips and tricks. So we're going to start the show by doing some of that when we come back. Um, really weighing in on some important stuff, and then the second half of the show we'll be talking to those that have issues with arousal. It's going to kind of leave it like that. So you got to stick around for that journey. And then, of course, as always, you all you know the drill. We'll be doing some uh, DMs. So if you got a DM for us, that's a question you want answered, a topic you want us to cover, something you want us to circle back and drop deeper into. Because sometimes I kind of gloss over it. Just drop it and bounce really quick. I know I do that sometimes. I'll make a really big statement about something that's off topic and then not really unpack it. And you're like, wait, what? I'm like, I know. (laughs) I get a lot of this in my DMs. Like, yo, dude, last show, you kind of dropped this one like it was hot. Like, what the heck were you talking about? Unpack that more. Also happens with my uh, DMs and my stories. Anywho, I'm rambling. Past episodes of the show are over at WeAreChannelQ.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge post, re-listen and share. Stick around. More to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
2: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Um So born out of um, some things I'm writing about, the beautiful part of that is you' all benefit from it because it helps me really put down in concrete bullet points my ideas or the things I've learned through my own doctoral training. you know, did a doctoral program in clinical psych, did a doctoral program in uh, sexuality and human sexuality. I'm a certified sex therapist, I've written books, articles. I run an educational program. I see clients in my private practice for almost twenty years. So, born out of all of that is a lot of understanding. But what does that matter if you can't distill it down into these bite-sized takeaways and sound bites? You know, people often are like, "Just the facts" or "Get to the point." And that's a beautiful thing of having a radio show. Is you can kind of hold your hand through it a little bit. But one of the things I talk to a lot of clients about is intimacy, and I um, <clears throat> uh, brought this up on the show before, where you know we'll sometimes think that intimacy and proximity are the same thing and they are not. And anyone in a longer term relationship is like, heck yeah to that. Because you know, my favorite example is always, you can sit next to someone in a movie theater for two hours. I can sit next to someone on an airplane to the other coast for six hours. Did we build intimacy? Heck no. We were in close proximity and that's how some people run their entire romantic lives is thinking that proximity is intimacy. It is not, it is not at all. So when I say to a couple, hey, what's intimacy like? They're like, oh, well, we watch this show, we eat dinner together. I'm like, cool, doesn't matter. What are you doing within that structure? Uh, because here's my favorite model of intimacy. When we are sharing the deeper parts of ourselves that feel too vulnerable, not too vulnerable, feel very vulnerable, make us anxious. We know we're sharing intimacy when we're sharing what makes us anxious. But bigger than that, it's also about that proximity because that's what's required. But it's also, what, like I said, what you do within that proximity. And that's why I talked to a lot of couples about going to bed at the same time. There's a lot of robust articles. I was just looking at some the other day in, in reference to an article I'm writing and it was just talking about all the different things that happen the beautiful cascade of bonding, chemicals that are released. Um, unconsciously, your body starts to register safety in association with that person, which is why I've had some people into my practice saying, like, hey, listen, I'm dating someone. And, um, actually had my mom call me once with this question that her friend posed to her about someone she's now dating and wanted my thoughts on it. And it was the scenario of I'm dating someone. And so they stay over every now and then. And I don't ever sleep very well or soundly when they're there. And I say to them, well, you're not supposed to, that's a protective mechanism. Your body is not supposed to be able to just go into the most vulnerable state sleep when we're at our highest risk of harm while laying next to some strange body, some strange person um, that's a healthy protective mechanism. And of course there are some people that are just deep and heavy sleepers and they're like, yo, no problem. I can sleep anywhere. Most of us are not that way. I am not that way. I am such a light sleeper. It's painful. I hear everything And so I'm one of those people where when I'm first dating someone, it takes a long time before I can fall asleep soundly and comfortably and fully. Because my body is like, there is someone strange next to you and we are not gonna go into that vulnerable state of just fall asleep. And then you got to worry about all sorts of other things. You know what I mean? Like all sorts of things happen while we're sleeping. Some people drool, some people fart, some people burp. So it's like, who wants to be doing all that next to this person that we want to see, a that, that we want to be seen by as just attractive. You know, some people, God bless, feel the pressure to fall asleep with their makeup on, or they get up early to brush their teeth and put on deodorant. So they, you know, smell fresh. Um, (laughs) it's really interesting. The vulnerability and, Earlier, even longer term relationship when we just want to be seen as perfect, you know? Anyway, I digress. A uh, bigger point was that uh, it's a protective mechanism, and what we require is more familiarity. So you have to spend the night more consistently is really what it is about. And get more familiar having a person next to you, specifically that person. So you gotta build more closeness and intimacy on other levels, but it's about the familiarity. Now, how's that apply to longer term couples? Well, take advantage of that. For some couples, that is the only time when they're really in that state where our bodies are near each other and we have the opportunity for something more deep on the intimate level to emerge. Because I say this to people in longer term relationships, the same thing I say to people that are single. I say to single people that enter my practice, I cannot find you a partner. I can't promise you'll get a partner. That is outside of my control. Meeting someone, finding someone, is dependent on the right time and the right place and the right presentation. Uh, you have to be at the right supermarket at the right time when the right person there who's single might be interested and confident enough to ask you out. Same thing with the dating apps. Every time you log on, you're at the mercy of who's on there, the mood they're in, all sorts of stuff. But what I can do is I can help you remove the blocks that get in the way, and I can also help you create the conditions within which and around which love can maybe emerge. So I'll talk to them about how to create those conditions. Um, people that have been in a longer term relationship, it's the same thing. How do I help them create the conditions within which, around which, from which, see all that word play? Um, intimacy or deeper intimacy can emerge. And it's not going to happen when they're at work and you're at work. It's not going to happen when you're sitting at the dinning, dining room table, although conversation's awesome. But conversation plus touch is even deeper. Sexuality can include all of that. It's not going to happen when you're necessarily watching a television show, although it can because you're in proximity. But sometimes our best bet is maybe when we're in bed falling asleep or when we're waking up. Take advantage of that. So that's my first tip for couples that are saying, we don't have a lot of intimacy or we don't have a lot of eroticism, we don't have a lot of affection. Create the conditions, more of them, around which it can emerge. You have to be together more in situations where you can reach out and touch each other more. Get more familiar putting your legs on them, your arms on them, leaning on them, cuddling up to them. It's about building up. And that's what I want to take away from tonight's show, at least right now, is am I creating the conditions within which, from which, whatever it is I'm wanting can emerge? If you're wanting to date, it's not going to happen while you sit at home on the couch, unless perhaps you're hitting the apps hard, and that's awesome. Um, What are you doing when you are out in the world? Are you approachable? Are you accessible? And then same thing with couples. Oh, no romance? Are you creating the conditions around which it could even happen? And are you trying to create that yourself? Because I'm a big fan of people creating what they want. You want your partner to be more more romantic, start being more romantic towards them. Shocker, you wanna get touched more, touch them more. You wanna get more words of kindness, give them more words of kindness. Normalize that. Normalize romance by you bringing it in. Normalize compliments by you bringing it in. Normalize more touch by you bringing it in and initiating it. You're normalizing it. It's a subtle or powerful request and you're also keeping that system active and alive. We got it. We will be back. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all. We are back. And uh, we're talking about, you know, just really stepping into the solution because that's really what tonight's show is about. And saying we can't promise. <laughs> immediate results, but what we can do is remove barriers to what we want and set the conditions within which what we want can emerge. If I want romance, am I creating the conditions where that can happen? Uh, Do I want more of that? as a single person, do I want more of that as someone who's in a relationship? Are you creating the conditions where that can happen? Are you actively bringing that in? Are you normalizing that? Are you getting yourself in spaces and places where you can be connected with, or you can flirt and find others? Because that's often part of the work. Now there's an interesting thing called field theory, fields theory, It's I think it's more of like a sociological thing. Um, a lot of my most important reading and learning that I find really fascinating is not within the field of psychology, which. I find quite drab and regurgitive. Um, a lot of people writing stuff, they're just regurgitating the same stuff. It's kind of boring. Um, so I use um, interdisciplinary and extra disciplinary stuff where I'm kind of like taking from other fields that are on the periphery, like cultural anthropology, sociology, neurology, whatever. Um, and uh, fields theory is this whole concept. And we have a, well, there's a version of it, you can eroticize it, called sexual fields theory. And basically what it's just saying is, my God, you can read like, tons of articles and books on this, but it's really, really basic what it's saying. And when I apply it to what we're talking about, it basically just says, hey, put yourself in the right place. If you are going to bars or whatever it might be, and you're not finding the people you wanna find, then you're not in the right spaces where people like you also spend time or where people like you are valued and desired. So the easiest example I have is um, when I'm working with clients, let's say that are coming out as gay or queer or non-binary or trans, And they're not familiar with, let's say the bar scene, and I'm not implying by any means that I send everyone to bars to find love because that can be a very toxic, unhealthy, or overwhelming place and whatever. And so I'll say to them, you know, you wanna make sure you're going to the right places where people like you spend time, but also where people like you are valued. And I've worked with some clients where they've gone to some subcultures because a lot of bars have, it's a scene, it has a specific crowd. And they're not meeting people. And I'm saying, because that's not what's sought there. That's not what's most desired or valued. And I'll say, find the spaces where that can happen. And that applies to everything. But I want people to think in those terms. Um, Am I going to the right places and spaces where I can maybe be met or meet people that are just like me? Because we need that mirroring. There's so much that's in that. We need that mirroring. We need the important parts of ourselves honored and reflected back. That's an important psychological mechanism. But when we're talking about gender, sexual identity, that's usually the parts of ourselves that are left unmirrored, especially eroticism. Our parents don't mirror or reflect back our sexuality or engage it. And during adolescence, it very much doesn't happen in that way at all either. So as adults, we'd go out into the dating world, and we really want to be and find partners that value those parts of ourselves and, um, I guess I'll just keep using the same word, reflect that back, but we don't always have that happen. And I say to people, be very thoughtful about your partner choice. Be very thoughtful about where you're going to meet partners because so certain social spaces value certain things that might not be reasonable or meaningful to you. If you're a non-drinker, you aren't going to find your people or your comfort or maybe the right partners in a bar because drinking and alcohol is what's prioritized and centered there. So you should go somewhere else. Just like if you're someone who's plant-based, you want to be very thoughtful about the restaurants you're spending time in. Um, so that's a really important part of creating the conditions. And I know that there's some people that live in towns or cities where they're not necessarily able to find that directly. And that's why, thank God, we now have things like apps because there is a time when people would drive hours to try to build and find community. But this is also a tip for people that, you know, that take this even outside of the erotic or the romantic, even in the social world, we need to have friends that engage the parts of ourselves that we value the most. If you're into art, you need artsy friends. If you're into sports, you want sporty friends. Um, if you're into you know, um, whatever you're into, <laughs> you want people that are also into that. Otherwise, you'll always feel othered, you'll always feel marginalized, and that's gonna really tank your self-worth and your self-esteem. And so really just start by asking yourself, am I putting myself around the right people and in the right places where these important things can merge, but also, Going back to what I was saying in the first segment, remember that you are, and your mental health is impacted by all the messaging you're around. So make sure that it's not just about similarities of interest, that it's also about the right ethics and the right perspectives. If you're someone who's trying to get out of disordered eating and fat shaming, and you're someone who's maybe fat identified or larger bodied, you're right. You will never find safety if you're spending time around friends that are fear that have a fear of fat, that are talking about calorie counting and weight loss, that will always be toxic for you. And you're working against yourself. And again, I've had to say that to some clients, the work we're doing is undermined is undermined every single time you spend time with your friends. Time with your friends is undermining the work we're working so hard and it's working against us. You need to quote unquote put them down and leave them there. So we have to take that in because that's a huge part and that's a really hard thing to know. And sometimes that's even what we have to do with our primary partner is realizing that they're holding us back, that they're not letting us evolve into the person we want to be. We're limited by those around us got to take all that in. All right, coming up next, we're going to be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to circle back, drop deeper into. Past episodes of the show is always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of good stuff. Check out some of the other shows while you're there. But um, we got more to come, so uh, don't go anywhere. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. all right y'all we are back and now it's time to slide into those dms
0: sliding into the dms
2: all right let's see what we got this one says drum roll uh dear dr chris i love my girlfriend but it's always a but i'm having constant urges to go out and meet other people don't know if it's just me being stir crazy or maybe i just love my girlfriend as a best friend instead of a potential partner Okay, y'all. Remember, we are always, 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 always stuck in the tension of wanting to pair bond and have relationship, secure attachment. And on the other side, we're wanting autonomy and freedom and diversity. That is human nature, wanting both. And the health of a relationship is how well you are at navigating and managing that. Um, and hear what I'm saying in that statement. I'm normalizing the idea that even if you love someone and you're attracted to them and you want to be with them does not mean you won't be oriented towards other things in the world. We have eyeballs. So you will be attracted, drawn towards other people in the world. That is healthy and normal. We need to normalize it. There's nothing wrong with that. It's what you do with that that determines your health. Impulse control, boundaries, empathy. If you're in a committed monogamous relationship, then you manage that. In fact, I counsel people to take that energy into their body if someone flirts with them or they flirt with someone else and go home and have sex with your partner with that energy. Take that energy home, fill yourself up with it. Just like if you're getting aroused during the day, start foreplay while at the office. Hey, babe, I'm thinking about you. This is what we're going to do tonight. Carry that libidinal energy with you and come home and unleash it on your partner. Work with it. Channel it. Part of the problem is we don't know how to carry arousal with us. We think if we're turned on, we have to do something with, us, with it, which leads to sexual assault and rape culture. Um, a lot of penis owners really struggle when they're aroused, thinking that that means something has to occur, be done. No, we manage that. If you don't feel like you can manage your arousal, then get into some therapy. You're not a sex addict. That is not a real thing. People have different levels of sex drive and some people have a higher sex drive than others. Just like some people aren't built for monogamy and it's okay to acknowledge that, but own that work with that. But there's nothing wrong with being attracted to other people, that is life. It's called having eyeballs. We will always be oriented towards things in the world what you do with it again matters. So there's nothing inherently wrong with you saying, hey, I'm thinking about others. Of course, if you've been in a long-term relationship, the newness and novelty has died. We will always be drawn towards newness and novelty. That is why we like to go see new movies. That is why we like new music. Think about it. A song drops, it's the hottest jam ever. It's a bop, as they say so stupid and you listen to it over and over and over and then eventually you don't want to hear it anymore you can't stand it or it's not as exciting same thing we don't eat the same meal every day and even if we do it's not as exciting as eating something brand new also the law of diminishing returns the first bite of ice cream tastes the most delicious the more you eat it the less it's good less you care towards the end you're just shoveling it down compulsively trying to chase after the first bite or two that had so much pleasure and joy So of course, that which we are familiar with and consistent with will not give us the same excitement that it did in the beginning. Because again, the most arousing dynamic thing is newness and novelty, which is why we're always trying new things, new movies, new songs, new foods, and the law of diminishing returns. Because the more consistent and familiar and patterned we are with something, the less exciting and dynamic it is. That is life. You know, that you know, human nature law doesn't care about these constructs like monogamy, living together, exclusivity. I said this on another show, nothing wrong with the fact that when we're dating, we want commitment, closeness, familiarity, comfort, but that kills sexuality. Sexuality wants the opposite, unfamiliar, new and novel. And again, healthy relationships are, at the, are about the management of both. That's life, man. You can't have two jobs your job gets familiar and boring. You want something new. You can't have two partners unless you're poly or open, which a lot of people are realizing is better for them. You you know what I mean? Like if you choose to be in a relationship, really you get one partner, one person inherently, that is what comes along with that. So it's, what do you want more comfort, familiar safety and security or the newness and novelty? Some people find ways to do both. Others can't, but big, back to your bigger question. It doesn't necessarily mean that anything's wrong with your primary relationship. It's called life, you know? All right, y'all, we've got a DM for us. Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions you got, topics you want covered, something you want us to circle back to, drop deeper into, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And past episodes of the show are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge post, re-listen and share. Check out some of the other shows while you're over there. Throw them a little love. Um, Because remember, it's all about repetition, re-listening, re-learning, because we got so much unlearning to do. Um, all right, we will be back though. So stick around. Don't go anywhere. We got more to come. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We will be right back. All right, y'all. We are back and now we're uh, sliding into a little bit of some adult material. Why can I not get aroused? Why can I not stay aroused? What's going on with my body? Yeah, we're going to kind of break this down, normalize it, give you some tips, some tricks, some new perspectives. Um, so remember, Sex is not natural, nothing natural about it. The way we do it, what we perceive to even be sex, uh, parts of our bodies will let be engaged or touched. All that's socially, socially constructed. That is cultural, that is historical, that changes historical time by historical time from culture to culture. Um, so much is in there. We're, I wish we could clear all that out and just authentically engage what it is that turns us on and arouses us, but we can't. So arousal is a very complex thing. Because it can, again, even when people are like, I'm just take a pill, I'm just going to take a pill. It's going to turn me on good luck because your, your emotional and psychological functioning can override any, any form of arousal pill you take, because it's not as simple as that. And I'm glad it's not as simple as that. And we have to really, 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 um, uh, what's the word like diversify and expand the definition we have of what we even consider to be sex. Because we are still too obsessively focused on sex, meaning orgasm, genitals, penetrations, and that's not always going to be possible. I will keep saying it over and over until we all hear this, that if we just even think about penis owners, your penis is not meant to get hard and stay hard on demand for as long as you want every single time. It doesn't work that way. Nothing does. Literally nothing does. Singers have off days and off nights. Um, athletes have off days. It Nothing is ever consistently perfect, but yet we see it if it isn't as a flaw or something's wrong. We start popping pills, getting anxious. Expand your definition. It should just be about connection and fun. We're not getting into that tonight, but I just needed to throw that out there. Also remember that, Arousal is not simply just about how interested you are or how attracted you are to your partner. And we really definitely want to back off of personalizing a partner's inability to get or stay aroused. Whether they're a vagina owner, a penis owner, it's, we have to back that off. It's usually what's going on in a multitude of other complex ways. Uh, So the first thing of the reminder is just that, that you're a person, you're not a sex doll, doll, you're not a sex toy, you are not a robot, you are not a porn performer. I know we watch porn and that's the only place a lot of us maybe see sex happen and we don't see the behind the scenes, we don't see the pills or the shots they take, we don't see their struggles, we don't see any of the stuff, we just see success. And uh, if anyone's had sex with more than one partner, I hope you might've encountered ups and downs and ins and outs. But for some reason, it seems as though no one ever has. So I just want to remind you, you're not a sex toy. You're not a sex doll. And um, you can't be expected to perform like one. Always ready, always aroused. Everything's perfect. But there's a cultural myth that is perpetuated by friends, partners, porn, media, that healthy penises and healthy vaginas will get ready, able to receive, get hard, lubricate, and perform as we want. And it doesn't work like that. Healthy ones will always have variations within their arousal. And as we age, expect even more disappointments, more letdowns, maybe needing more stimulation, needing to sometimes not be able to fully complete penetration because one party isn't lubricated enough penetration is feeling painful. Maybe you're not able to get the erection you want or to keep it. That's life, man. You have tongues, you have fingers, you have toys, Keep your head in the game focus on fun we don't need to use penetration or genitals to have fun and there's more of that coming so we need to expand and push on our sexual maturity by not seeing sex solely as those things what else might it be as to why you or your partner is not getting or staying aroused well maybe you're not sexually compatible bummer i know because just because you find your partner super rad, super cool, super sexy, super hot, love all these other levels of compatibility, that doesn't mean that the sexual compatibility is there in the way it needs to be. Attraction isn't always enough to get us aroused. So when you're thinking, oh, they're not getting aroused or staying aroused, it, might, it must be that they're not attracted to me. Oh, no, 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 that isn't enough sometimes. It has nothing to do with that often because sexuality is more complex than just thinking someone's hot or really being turned on by their body parts. Sexual chemistry is a very complex, mysterious, mysterious thing that is very much outside of our control and it can't be willed or forced into existence. So upon realizing maybe the sexual chemistry or compatibility is not there, unfortunately, that means maybe you're just meant to be friends or you have to accept that it's not going to be ideal but you value all the other things, and so that's why you stay with them. And so there might be a, there's a, a need for acceptance, and there might also be a need to mourn the loss of what thought of what you thought you're going to be able to have with this person. And that's an important part of any relationship. Is you're always going to have to mourn the loss of some realities because we're talking about people, and with people there are limits. You can't be or have every single thing you want. And I remind people all the time, if you If you won't let some issues just remain, then you are literally wanting perfect and perfect doesn't exist. So it mandates that there have to be some annoying and frustrating things that you just accept and allow. Otherwise, you are wanting perfect and again, perfect doesn't exist. All right, coming up next, we're going to keep talking about why the arousal might not be there, might not stay there little little bits of some tips and tricks and gems sprinkled throughout but uh, it's really about changing our perspective and updating our understanding so stick around for that listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey we'll be right back. All right, so we're back. Talking about how to deal with arousal, disappointments, and frustrations. Why am I not getting turned on? Why am I not staying turned on? Why is my partner? Well, because you're human beings. You're not sex toys. You're not sex dolls. You're not sex robots. We are people. And that means our bodies are complex. There's a lot of different competing forces always happening. And it's not as simple as if you thought I was turned on enough, all should be well. No, 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 no. Someone who says that does not understand sexuality at all. If they think of oh, if you're into me you'd be good no don't work like that oh just pop a pill also doesn't work like that our psychological and emotional functioning can override those little pills all the freaking time and I'm here for it because when we're trying to force our body to perform something that is not sex anymore that's ego and performance sex is supposed to be fun it's supposed to be relaxed but if you're getting intense and there's a certain way it has to go and it better be this way you have stepped outside of fun you've stepped outside of sexuality and pleasure and you're making it too intense and you're making it performance driven and that is not what this is about it's also body negative and sex negative you are not honoring and listening to what your body's saying and you're not honoring the beautiful expandedness of what sexuality really is about and what it can offer us you're getting obsessed with doing things the right way and again that's ego that is not fun so we're, we're really pushing on that we're also talking about the fact that maybe you're not sexually compatible or the chemistry is not there even though you find them hot and you're turned on by them that isn't always enough that doesn't mean that when we come together it's kind of like other levels of compatibility just because you think someone's cool or they're hot that doesn't mean when you sit down for a two-hour dinner that you naturally enjoy talking to each other or have things to talk about sex is the same way someone looks hot to you But when you start laying down and making out and moving into sexuality, you're realizing we're on different pages. We like it very different. This just doesn't feel arousing to me. Yeah, that happens. And so at that point, we have to either realize we should just be friends. Sexuality isn't in the cards for us. Or you go into adult levels of acceptance because we know perfect isn't possible. We have to allow some things to be a letdown, disappointing, or frustrating. That is life. Or we have to mourn the loss of what we thought we were going to have or all the above. And, you know, it's like, this isn't the exact um, breakdown. But I remind people, a third of issues, we can completely resolve. A third of issues, we can only improve. And a third of issues ain't going nowhere, ain't changing. That's what it's like when you two come together. Accept it or move on. And sometimes sexual boredom or incompatibility falls under the ain't nothing changing, y'all. That's what it's gonna look like. You wanna stick around? Or we can improve it a little bit, or we can completely resolve it depending on what it is and we never really know because it's a very complex thing it is not simple when a client says how many sessions till you fix this i'm like dear god i have no idea i can never tell you new things emerge we find out that it's harder more work than we thought you're not willing to put in the time and effort you want to stay stuck um you're unwilling to let go of your former understandings and definitions of sexuality there's so much in there um also remember, and this isn't knocking how we run our relationships, but the way we run them isn't about preserving or enhancing sex. Now, I'm not saying it should be. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm, I'm not weighing in on this. I'm just telling you the truth. I don't make the rules. This is what we're up against. When we first start dating and we enter a relationship, we get on what we call the relationship escalator. Okay, we're gonna date for a while, then we're gonna be exclusive and monogamous and boyfriend and girlfriend, and then we're gonna get engaged, and then we're gonna get married, and then we're gonna have a kid, and then we're gonna buy a home. Oh my God, but that's what everyone does because no one realizes that there's tons of ways to do it. You don't have to do it that way, blah, blah, blah. It's for another show to go further. However, what we really want relationally is not what's good for us sexually. What we want relationally is we want consistent we want familiarity, we want safety. I wanna see you a lot, I wanna feel comfortable with you, I wanna be known, I wanna live with you, I wanna sleep with you, I wanna build a house with you, I wanna travel with you, awesome. That's good for relationships. We wanna feel safe, we wanna feel connected, wanna feel known, but none of that is good for sex sex wants the opposite. It wants newness. It wants novelty. It wants difference. It wants creativity. It wants some of the unknown. It wants some unfamiliar and it wants some difference. Those are the qualities that make for good sex, but those are the opposite of what's good for a relationship and also how we tend to run relationships. So when a couple first meets, I'm like, dear God, at least, at least move a little slow. So I have to really let sex get some some benefits from that don't you know hang out with them and never leave and talk to them every single day but that's what we do and so the work is like well wait a minute how do we both do that relationally which is good and feels good and build solid relationships secure attached ones but then that's horrible for sex how do we do both well good question dialectics tell us sometimes two things that are opposites can exist at the same time and that's what we have to rely upon because high arousal, leads to us being the most turned on. It leads to the best direction. It leads to the lubrication. It leads to the vagina going through the internal process it has to go through to be able to receive, but familiarity and consistency, what we need and want and try to do as much as we can, as quick as we can in the beginning from the beginning are the killers of high arousal, but monogamy and commitment will kill sexuality, not for everyone, but I'm saying in theory, what what is built into and what is part of monogamy and commitment are the opposite of the qualities and factors that a good sex life needs. Again, I'm not making an opinion. I'm not making a judgment. I'm not weighing in. I'm just telling you how it is. So the side effects for a lot of people of having a lot of closeness, a lot of consistency, a lot of familiarity, monogamy, a lot of time together is a loss in some of the sexual desire not in the beginning, because inherently it's at the beginning. I can't know you that well, even if I'm seeing you all the time. But you hit a, a moment, a threshold where it starts to become a problematic version of that. So that's none of this is a disorder. Having issues with arousal and all of that isn't a disorder. It's, a, it's an outcome of the way we run our relationships. It's a truth. It's a reality. It's a systemic outcome. Newness and novelty is what hot sex thrives on and is built on. And that's easiest when you're single, casually dating, non-monogamous, open. That's why non-monogamous and open couples have the best sex. That's why single people in hookup culture tend to have the best sex. Because commitment and monogamy have many important benefits. I'm all here for it. But they can punish erections and arousal, sexual pleasure, and sexual desire. So the work is about how do we do both? Is that even possible? Can we run our relationships a little differently because we want to prioritize and hold space for sex? That, y'all, becomes a question that we're going to answer when we come back. So uh, stick around in DMs. Bam, got a question. Drop them in the DMs on our Loveline Line G page. Otherwise, stick around, y'all. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. We are back and uh, kind of talking about how the way we run our relationships, what we prioritize in terms of relational safety and closeness and commitment, and what we do from the beginning is awesome. We need that, but it really gets in the way of hot, long-term, arousing sex. Um, they don't all they don't all align. You know, commitment unfortunately can kill sex. Familiarity, consistency, reliability, accessibility, time together—that's awesome, uh, but that gets in the way. That's why people that are you know newly dating non-monogamous casual sex have better sex often of course there's something beautiful if we do the work in here's one of the antidotes one of the solutions those words consistent familiar comfortable reliable that we apply to relationships that get in the way we sometimes also also apply to sex and we need to not do that so as we get deeper into a relationship if you're doing the work you start to build trust and you're willing to be more vulnerable and that's when we should start pushing on our edges sexually we should start saying let's talk about and explore some things we haven't done before let's change things up let's let's not fall into patterns and habits we might do that with our relationship but we don't want to do that with our sex life because the smallest tweaks any tweak changes that up let's talk more what's another reason why arousal's shot or, or not not functioning the way we want because maybe like I said you're doing what I just listed and your sex is boring. Yeah. Some people, the sex you're having isn't worth wanting. It's too vanilla. It's too boring. It's too patterned. It's too habited. You know, one position, one role, only people not into pushing on their boundaries, not into anything colorful. You know, I'm not saying you have to get really kinky and really wild, but like we have to push on our edges. And let's talk about people in the same sexed, you know, gay community. I'm a top only. I'm a bottom only. No, no, those aren't real things. Those are just preferences. Those are just comforts. We all have the capacity to be both. Same thing with hetero couples. Everyone has the capacity to penetrate the other. Everyone has the capacity to use our full body sexually. But as I say all the time on the show, we limit what we'll do because of our sexual orientation. I'm straight, so I don't do that. Wait, what? Anything straight people do is straight sex. Oh, I'm a boy, so I don't do that. What? You know, like we really get caught in these limits. I'm a top only, that is not a real thing. What does that even mean? No, you're not anything only. We all have a more fluid, diversified sexuality, but it's our hang-ups, our anxieties about our bodies, our gen, all sorts of stuff, power dynamics, traumas, that really block us. So sometimes the sex gets really boring because we keep it safe. And again, I don't care how hot you are, physical attraction does not promise sexual chemistry or sexual compatibility. They're two separate processes that can interlock, that can feed into each other, but can also be completely distinct and separate. That is why I'm a fan of people having sex sooner than later, especially before you make any major commitments. It's an important level of intimacy and compatibility that matters, needs to be explored and assessed so you know what you're signing up for. Otherwise, you end up in my office and maybe in a failed relationship. Explore it. See what you're taking on. As I said, some is improvable, some is completely changeable, and some that's how it's going to be forever. You'll start to get a sense of that, but you want to explore that and have a sense of what you're signing up for before you make any major commitment. Also, sometimes it's about our self-worth, our self-esteem, or our sexual self-esteem. That will greatly impact our ability to relax and experience full pleasure in order to fully become aroused. We have to be able to relax and feel safe. So sometimes the problem is your partner is not someone you can be, you feel safe with. It is not someone you can relax around. Your sex is all about performance and doing it the right way. That is not relaxing or soothing. So you have to ask these questions. Do I feel comfortable and safe with myself and in my body? Do I feel comfortable and safe with my partner to be able to relax? Are there expectations upon me? Have we not been getting along? Do I not feel cared for? Do I not feel attractive to myself? Do I not feel attractive to my partner? All of that feeds into this. Because at any point during sex, our psychology and emotions can override the stimulation that's happening or the pill that we popped and can kill arousal fully. If we're not comfortable or confident with our sexuality, our body, or our partner, then our sex lives and our pleasure will suffer. Because remember, our sexual and body esteem is impacted by how desirable we find ourselves and how desirable we believe our partner finds us to be. So sex phobia, body shame, a lack of acceptance, lack of sexual confidence is going to get in the way of us being turned on. You have to think in all of those different terms. I know, it's complex. And that's why you have to sort through all of that. But listen to your body and say, what might, my, what might my, my lack of arousal be communicating to me? If it could speak, what would it be saying? If it could request something, what would it need? And it's not something that we should necessarily immediately break up over, if even at all. Sometimes it's a challenge for us to grow. Use these issues as a way to grow and to grow up and to expand and to be better. Because as I said, the older we get, we should expect more of these issues as our body ages and doesn't function in the most optimal ways. But that doesn't have to impact sex because we have fingers and toys and tongues and our whole body. And it's just about fun. It's about pleasure. It's about connection. So there's no right way to do that. In fact, when we try to do something the right way, we stepped into ego and performance and out of fun and pleasure and comfort. And those are the things we need and those are the things we're trying to create. Coming up next, we're gonna be doing some DMs. So if you've got a question, topic, drop them in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Wanna hear from you, helping you, helping others. Always confidential and anonymous. We've got answers for you. Past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Stick around though, more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.
1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
2: If your day sounds like...
1: We need the report ASAP.
0: You deserve Modella. If you've persevered through...
2: You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, Tour. 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 you deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the mark of the fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, shall we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs.
0: Sliding into the DMs.
2: This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I have two kids by the same father, one is 14, one is 11. We've been broken up for years and his family isn't really a part of our lives. Recently, my 14 year old is asking why I don't have a boyfriend. But to be honest, I'm bisexual. I don't know how to tell them. I'm not dating anyone and haven't for a while in fear of what's going to happen. What do you mean by fear of what's going to happen? What happens if you date someone? Happiness, joy, Sex. Your kids should know you're bi. You can, your kids can know you're bisexual from birth. That Being bisexual, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing pathological. There should be no shame. We need to normalize that. Let your kids know from birth that some people are gay, some people are straight, some people are bi. Kids are not too young for that. If they're not too young to see Cinderella kiss a dude, which is heterosexuality, then they're not too young to see two dudes kiss. There's nothing toxic or wrong with gayness. They're going to see it out in the world. It's natural. Healthy education and sex education are about truly encountering the reality of what's out there, whether you like it or not. You can't, because you don't like gayness or bisexuality, vote it off the planet. It doesn't work like that. Um, kids should be exposed to everything. There's nothing wrong with kids being exposed to homosexuality. It doesn't turn them gay. And if it did, that's awesome. What a great place to land. So normalize bisexuality. You have your own internalized shame around it. Tell them, hey, kids, I'm bi. I like men and women. A lot of people do. And mom's going to start dating, maybe a woman. Why? Because there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, there's something very right about that. Everyone should, at some point in their lives, try being with the same sex, the opposite sex. It's called healthy sexual exploration. Try it. You're allowed to come back. Yes, you're allowed to be straight. Try it with a dude as a man and come back and be like wasn't right for me cool welcome back but we're getting rid of biphobia because it's still in existence every now and then i hear uh, a a lot of people saying i would never date a bi dude or because it's usually men that are shamed we will allow women to have sex with more genders and we will welcome them back to heterosexuality but sadly with homophobia we will shame men if they're ever with another man it's disgusting it's toxic and y'all need to grow up and do better because that is part of toxic masculinity it's part of misandry which is the anti-male version of misogyny and we need to stop that stuff and so you have an opportunity to to kind of resolve that so step up all right we got time for one more this one says uh dear dr chris i'm in love with my male best friend he's gay identifies as queer and i'm a woman we've been developing a friendship for the last eight months we have the same career work in the same building my question is can you be in love with your best friend and enjoy all the emotional and intimate benefits of the friendship and not want it to be sexual. Sure, anything's possible, but I'd never really advise disclosing your interest in a friend if they haven't shown any interest because it makes it very uncomfortable and it's really not honoring the contract. And don't assume that because your friendship's awesome and you have a crush that it will be even better for romantic and sexual. In fact, it probably won't be. Usually our relationships are great because of the exact structure we currently have. And we cannot assume that if we add more intimacy that it inherently is better. Some people really feel unsafe and redefine the whole relationship when they find out you've liked them the whole time. Um, So if you've really moved forward into a deep friendship, I don't usually advise disclosing interest, especially if this person's gay and you're a female. That person has told you they like men. So it'd be very odd to attempt to try to convince them to be with you, which is what you'd be doing and telling them that you have an interest in them. Just set those boundaries, set those impulses, and put that energy somewhere else. You might be actually more intimacy avoidant by trying to have a crush on a gay man as a woman. Give yourself the opportunity to get the love and sex you want by going and finding a woman or a straight male instead of wasting your time going after someone who's gay. It's like people that are always dating people in other relationships. Go find someone who's available for what you want and stop taking the crumbs of what someone else can throw at you. This gay person does not want you. You're a woman. Move on. Be his friend. And if you can't, move on. But honor that boundary. Honor that unconscious contract of friendship. All right, y'all, that is our show. We'll be back uh, next week. So join us then. You can check out past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it and throw us some DMs, questions, topics you want us to hit, things you want us to drop deeper into over on our DMs on our Loveline page. Um, I want you guys to focus the rest of your time on tons of self-care, leisure, and joy. Work as little as possible. Give 70%. We're not giving 100%. That's burnout. That's how we get to burnout. No one should be given more more than 70%. We're not doing no pain, no gain. We're not trying to break a sweat. We're trying to not burn out, which means 70% max. Nothing needs more than that. That other 30% is that gray area that keeps you from burnout. All right, y'all. Thanks for hanging out. And you enjoy the rest of your night. Good night, everybody.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?